following is brought to you by Canyon Ridge Church in Tacoma. For additional podcasts or information on service times and upcoming events, please visit us online at www.explorecrc.com. Series called I Am, Who Are You? And the idea is that we don't know who we are by looking at ourselves. We know who we are by looking at God. And we were created in the image of God. Well, who is God? We, Colossians 1, Jesus is the image of the invisible God. So we know who we are, ultimately not by looking at ourselves, but by looking at who Jesus is. And who is Jesus? He tells us in the seven I am statements in the Gospel of John. So we've been looking through the seven I am statements, one a week. And this one, in our sixth week, we are on I am the way, the truth, and the life. And this is from John 14, which goes like this. Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. If, if that were not so, would I have told you that I am going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you may also be where I am. You know the way to the place where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you are going, so how can we know the way? Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Would you join me in prayer? God, thank you for that uh, just great time of worship and being reminded of of who we are and being reminded of, of your power, of your supply through your spirit, Jesus. And we pray that we might have open and receptive hearts to hear the message that you have taught talk to us this morning, God, that you have for us. So help us to be open to that. Help us to receive that. In your precious name we pray. Amen. So Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. You know, for us, we don't have to really worry about the way as much anymore because we have GPS now, right? We all have GPS on our phones. I don't think anybody has the TomTom little thing anymore. I think those are probably gone out of style. I went on a cross-country trip one time, and I actually had a Palm Pilot that had like an extra GPS adapter so that you could get GPS on your Palm Pilot to then navigate us across the country. Because there's a lot to navigate, right, if you're driving cross-country. And one of the things that really bothers me, though, now we're supposed to have this technological like GPS that gives us the way, is every time I start off with Google Maps... I'm, I'm coming, I'm like driving out of the parking lot, and I'm like, okay, I'm not sure which way I'm supposed to go here. It looks like I'm going one way. So it, it's pointing me one way, and I start driving, and it flips the whole thing around. And now I've got to do a U-turn because the GPS led me the wrong way. I see people's heads nodding. I'm not the only one who deals with this. It's so frustrating at times. I think they should have a Christian version of, of, of the, a GPS called The Way. And it would be great, like, when you're driving down the road, it's, it would, and you, you, you know, it's, it says, stay straight ahead, don't turn to the right or to the left. Anybody of you would know that's a biblical reference. Um, or maybe you, like, you make a wrong turn, and, and it screams at you, repent, 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 because that means to do a U-turn. So I think they should make it called the way. But, uh, you know, they, they probably they shouldn't have Jesus' voice, because I imagine 
people couldn't understand it because it would keep speaking parables and riddles and stuff, and people just wouldn't understand the Jesus voice. So maybe they have Paul or something on there. Um, but, you know, the disciples thought that they, they knew the way. They thought, you know, speaking of Jesus, Jesus is the way. He was their GPS. This is where we're supposed to go. And they thought they knew the way because they thought they, they knew they had it all figured out. That, that they were going to have a kingdom here on earth that the Old Testament seemed to promise a, a kingdom of Israel. There was this Davidic kingdom that they were looking back to that God was going to re, re, resurrect this, this kingdom here on earth. And so they were going to overthrow the Romans. And Jesus was the guy. Like, he was the, the Messiah. He was the guy that was going to overthrow the Romans. He was the guy who was going to reestablish the kingdom of Israel, the Davidic kingdom. And so they just had this triumphal entry where Jesus triumphantly enters into Jerusalem. And, and people have laid down palm branches and said, Hosanna in the highest, and and they're all, everybody's proclaiming, and the same people that are proclaiming and celebrating Jesus' entry into Jerusalem are, a few days later, going to yell, crucify him, crucify him. But we haven't reached that point in the narrative right yet. Where, we at are, where we're at right now is Jesus ha- has had his triumphal entry into Jerusalem, and now he is sitting with the disciples at, at the table, he's, he's had a communion meal with them. He's washed their feet. He's said that Judas is going to betray him, and then Peter is going to betray him. And, and now he's going on to tell the disciples another thing. He, he tells them something new that they haven't heard before. Imagine the scene. They're all sitting down with dinner, and they're all expecting that Jesus is going to be this new Davidic king, he's going to somehow overthrow the Romans with his power, and he's going to make this new kingdom. And the, and the thing that Jesus says to them is, I'm going to be leaving soon, and where I'm going, you can't go. He's told them numerous times already that he's going to die, but they're like, yeah, yeah, you're going to die someday. But, you know, you're going to establish the kingdom first. Now, though, he's telling them, I'm leaving soon. And you can't come with me. And they're like, what? Like, what, what, Jesus? Like, we left everything to follow you. Back in those days, if you, if you left your father, you, you did, you inherited what your father did. So if your father was a fisherman, you would inherit the fishing business and become a fisherman. If your father was kind of a carpenter, you would inherit that. So to leave your father's house is to walk out on on your business, on your livelihood, and they left everything to follow Jesus. And and now Jesus is telling them, hey, uh, I'm leaving soon, and and, uh, you can't follow me. And so they are troubled. The Bible says that that Jesus says, do not let your hearts be troubled because they are troubled. They're troubled in their hearts and minds. They don't know what's going to happen. They, Jesus hasn't talked yet. He's just about to tell them about the Holy Spirit. But, but you know, when Jesus would lead, they would follow. And they knew everything was going to be okay because Jesus was right there with them, leading them, instructing them, supplying them, giving them everything they need, showing them where they needed to go. And now Jesus is saying that he's going to leave. 
And what Jesus is doing is Jesus is trying to get them ready to take over his mission when he leaves. And they don't know about the Holy Spirit yet, but he is going to send the Holy Spirit. And he says later on, um, it'll be better for you if I leave because when I leave, I can send the Holy Spirit. But they don't know that yet. And so all they see is just that Jesus is leaving and, you know, we've left everything to follow him. What are we going to do? And in their hearts, they are troubled. Troubled is to be, to be agitated, to be irritated, to be tossed to and fro, to have an inward commotion, to lose your calmness of mind. That's the state the disciples are in. They are troubled. I'm wondering today, is there anybody who is troubled? They don't know the way, where they're going. Maybe it's a friend that's leaving, and you're troubled because you don't know who you're going to hang out with anymore. Maybe it's a job that's going away, and you're troubled. And so you don't know how you're going to supply, you're going to sell, how you're going to support yourself. Maybe you're getting older, and you still haven't, still, you still don't know what you're going to be when you grow up, and you're troubled. I'm wondering if there's anybody in here today that can identify with the disciples that they're troubled because they don't know the way, they don't know the truth, they don't know the life, they don't know where they're supposed to go, and how they're going to be supplied, and they're troubled. I think that's where we find the disciples, and Jesus' answer to them is, he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He says, you don't know, you, you, you don't know where you're going, you don't know what, what's going to happen, you're, you're getting all worried, you're all troubled, you're agitated in your heart, you're tossed to and fro about the different options that you might have to face, and you're troubled, but, but you know the way. You know the way. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the way to the Father, the Father who will give you all provision, who will give you all purpose, who will show you what you need to do. I am the way. And so that is going to be my outline. We're going to talk about how Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. It's a ready-made sermon, so that is good. Um, and, and sometimes it seems that, you know, when Jesus is the way, sometimes it seems like the world is having its way, right? Like, there seems to be, like, evil is having its way in the world. Whether it's the coronavirus, now we're all scared about the coronavirus, whether it's the, the polarized politics of life, whether it's school shootings, the evil seems to be having its way in the world. Whether it's driving on 5.12 at 8 a.m. in the morning, evil seems to be having its way in the world. Maybe evil even seems to be having its way in your life in, the, in this time. That there is somebody who is sick and they're not getting any better. And you've prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed. And they're still not getting better. And evil seems to be winning. Or, or maybe it's, um, like I said, finances. And you've prayed and prayed and prayed. And you still can't make things work. And you're afraid you're going to lose your house. And evil seems to be having its way. Sometimes when, when that happens, we can begin to respond with, with being troubled. We, we get... What it, like one of the definitions, we get tossed to and fro. Should I do this or should I do that? There's all these different options in our life. And what do we do because we feel tossed to and fro? We're, we're troubled. 
And that, the disciples, this is not the only time the disciples felt tossed to and fro. Um, there was another time in, in the book of, of Matthew that they felt tossed to and fro. See, Jesus had just fed a bunch of people, and then he told them to go across the lake. He was kind of being sneaky, like, go across the lake. He didn't tell them there was going to be a large storm, and they were going to be afraid for their lives in trying to get across, and he hangs back while, they, while he sends them into trouble um, to, to, to go through the storm. And so they get in the storm, and they're going in this lake, and, and you can see it in, in the lake right now. There, those things still happen that a storm can all of a sudden just appear. And they, they see that in Israel today. That the, the lake that they were going through, um, there, there's, just because the way it's shaped, there can be winds that kind of come down. And just, boom, all of a sudden, there's this storm and the waves are going, getting tossed um, high and it's tossing the boat to and fro. So, so that's what happened here. The disciples are going across the lake. Everything seems fine. And then all of a sudden, this storm comes down, and the boat is getting tossed to and fro. And, and Jesus is back praying. He's all having his meditation, and he's probably listening to iTunes or something, and everything's fine. He's, everything's fine with him. And then he gets up, and he starts walking across the lake. And, and the Bible says as that, that as he's walking across the lake, it looks like he's going to walk by them. And they, they think that Jesus is a ghost, and they're afraid, and they, they cry out. And, and watch this. He, he waited to respond. He waited until he was wanted. Until the, his disciples wanted to invite them into the boat, invite him into their trouble. And I wonder today, are you inviting Jesus into your trouble? Are you inviting Jesus into the difficult moments of your life, the storms that you are facing? Are you inviting Jesus into that? Or are you just facing these options and you're getting tossed to and fro by the difficulties, by the storms of life, and, and, you're, and things seem difficult to you? So they, they invited Jesus in, and, and, and he starts coming closer to the boat, and Jesus is fine. He's probably like skating on the water, right? Like a water skiing. He probably just dropped the line, didn't even need it anymore. Um, any, anyways, I'm not, <laughs> tough crowd today. Okay, <laughs> uh, so he's Jesus is walking closer to the boat, and uh, and Peter sees him. Now you, you got to imagine this: like they are afraid for their lives, and. The boat is getting tossed back and forth, and here's Jesus walking towards them. He's fine. He's not bothered by it. I don't know if there's waves, like, crashing at Jesus or if there's, like, some force field around him that he's just like, you know, you can't, you know, just the power of Jesus, though, the waves just crash on that and don't even, can't even touch him, whatever, but, you know, just use your imagine, try to, imagination, try to picture the scene, and, and, and the disciples are afraid, and, and Peter Seeing that it's Jesus, now wants to step out into the boat, out of the boat into the water. You've got to understand, that is not like the Jewish people back in those days. They didn't know, they weren't as scientific as we were, and, and the water, water to them represented evil. It represented unknown. It represented everything scary to them. They, they still thought that there were leviathans and there were things under the water, so... For, G for Peter to step out 
of the boat meant his eyes were fixed on Jesus. He wasn't looking at the storm. He wasn't looking at the waves. He wasn't looking at what could have been under the water. Do we have anybody in here who they won't go in a lake because they don't, when they can't see what's under, because there might be a fish, there might be a Leviathan under there, right? So that's Peter, but like back in those days, it was amplify that by a thousand fold because they, they didn't know. They, they didn't know really. They didn't have the science and the knowledge we have. And so Peter is this great step of faith to come out and see Jesus. And, and he gets out of the boat and he starts walking on water out toward Jesus. And as he starts walking, he, he's getting his eyes fixed on Jesus and he's walking on the water. He's doing, there's a miracle. Now, I don't know if you've ever tried to walk on water, but you can't do it, right? Water, just the physics of water, is, you know, you, you, water is, it's not possible. Your foot will go through. So Jesus wasn't really walking on water. Peter, when he stepped out of the boat, wasn't really walking on water. See, when Jesus told Peter, he, Peter said, hey, Jesus, if it's really you, um, can I come to you? And Jesus said, come. See, Peter wasn't walking on walk, water. He was walking on the word. He was walking on C-O-M-E, on the power of Jesus. And as he stepped out of the boat, as long as he was fixed on the power of Jesus, he could keep walking through the storm. But the, thing, but the problem happened when Peter looked at the storm and looked at the waves and looked at the wind and all the different things that were around him that would cause him to have trouble. And that's when Peter began to sink. And I came here to declare to some people today that, that if you would just keep your eyes fixed on Jesus through the storm, you would know the way. You see, things might, you might not know how things are going to turn out. The, the path might not be clear, but you always know the way. And if we could just keep our eyes fixed on Jesus, we could walk on his power, on his supply, on his provision, that he would continue to direct our steps and call us to be the person that he created us to be, and we will be able to walk through the storms of life because we are fixed on Jesus, on the power of Jesus. Jesus is the way. And though we don't know how things might turn out in our situation, we always know the way. And keeping our eyes fixed on Jesus will help us to continue to walk through the storms. Because Peter, when he, when he didn't fix his eyes on Jesus, he began to sink. And I think that goes to, goes to show that oftentimes we can't make good decisions if we allow the crisis to come in to create a crisis mindset. See, it wasn't when, when Peter was, was looking at the storm or, or, looking, or actually walking in the storm that he started sinking. He started sinking not when the, when the, when the water was without, but when the storm was without, but he started sinking when he let the storm within. And so much, many times in our life, we can't make a great decision when we're going through a crisis moment. See, the disciples were troubled, and, and another way to be troubled is to, the, another definition of, of, of the Greek word for troubled, to, I think it's terasso, is to lose your calmness of mind. To lose your calmness of mind. 
That when, and that's so appropriately describes when we are troubled. We're not at peace in ourselves. We don't have a calm mindset. And when you don't have a calm mindset, then you can't make sound decisions in your life. I love, and this is where Thomas was. You know, Thomas is, is there, um, and, and you can imagine, like, Jesus is waxing eloquent, saying, you know, um, my father's house has many rooms, and if it were not so, would I have told you? And I'm going to go and prepare a place for you. I will come back and take you with me so that you may be where I am, and, and you know the place to where I am going. And, and you can see, like, Peter and James and John, and they're sitting there scratching their beards and like, yes, Jesus, we know the way, like, we know where you're going, like, yeah, Jesus, and, and then Thomas is like, raises his hand, and, and he's like, no, actually, Jesus, we have no idea what you're talking about, um, we don't know the way, uh, you know, what's going on, and, and I love Thomas's, can we just thank Thomas, we call him Doubting Thomas, but, but I mean, he's more than just, like, he's honest, thank you, Thomas, for your honesty, because and, and then maybe Jesus turns to the disciples and he's like, is this true? Do you guys really, you don't know what we're talking about? And they're like, technically, yes. We don't know what you're talking about. And, uh, and, and so Thomas kind of gives it, and, and probably Thomas is like, like, Jesus, no, we have no idea what you're talking about. You keep talking in riddles all the time. Nobody really understands what you're saying. Jesus, what do you mean? And so Jesus breaks it down with him. He says, I am the way and the truth and the life. See, when those times when we lose our calmness of mind, we need to know the truth. Because when you go through trouble in your life and you you lose the calmness of mind, um, you can't make, like I said, you can't make sound decisions. We, We can't, don't make permanent decisions in temporary emotions. God wants to, to do something better and, and, and speak to us, but often we can't hear God above the noise of our own emotions. So we've got to be able to calm down. This is why when, when you're in a heated argument, you can only think of a comeback like 10 minutes after the argument is done. Because what happens is there is our lower brain, and when we're, we get stressed out and amped up and we're, we're troubled then our lower brain takes over, and it's either fight, flight, or freeze. And it's one of those three things, but it's our higher brain that really functions to, to, with higher-order thinking, that begins to understand abstract ideas and, and begin to have res- responses. And so when you're in trouble, oftentimes you, you, it's either fight, flight, or, or freeze. And, you know, freezing doesn't work out so well for deers on a roadway, um, so, you know, sometimes that's kind of how we feel like, like deer in a headlight kind of moment, and we don't know what to do, and either we, we make a bad decision or we make no decision at all, which is still a decision, right? And so we've got to have some foundational truths that we can come back to that will direct us when we're going through a, a troubled moment, when we're going through a loss of peace or calmness in our mind, and, and Jesus says, I am the truth. I am the truth. And what he's saying is that there's, he is the, the foundational truth. Jesus is the foundational truth that we need to come back to when we're in those moments of being troubled in our lives. 
And, but there's foundational truths that flow from Jesus. Are there some foundational things that you can hold on to in your life? Like for me, one of the things that I know when I'm going through trouble is I get back to basics. I, I, I come back to some of the things that really help teach me who I am, remind me of who I am. So I get back to a lot of times the relationships, my family, my parents, all of, those are the people that help remind me who I am. I get back to the things that, that really help me know what, what is the way. Like, what are my core values? What is it that I, that I really know about myself to be true? And then as I get back to these foundational things, I begin to see, doesn't always show me the right way forward in terms of like, hey, this, I need to go here, but at least it shows me the next right step. And I know if I can just take the next right step, then that'll get me one step closer to, to the destination that God has called me to. So we've got to come back. We've got to have some foundational truths in our life. The only way you're really going to get that is by spending time reading your word, spending time knowing Jesus, spending time reading the word of God. I can't give it to you 30 to, 30 to 40 minutes on a Sunday morning, one time a week. You've got to be able to take some of that time. That's why we have things like Rooted. That's why we have things like the Bible study on Sunday night, so that you guys begin, begin to form some foundational truths in your life. So when you go through those times of trouble, you'll be, have something to come back to that will help direct your life. Do you have some foundational, some core, some foundational truths, some core values that will direct your life, come hell or high water, come when things are tossing you back and forth, that you can come back to these things and say, this is who I am, and this is who God has called me to be. See, we need to have some of those foundational truths because we need direction for our life. And the disciples needed direction for their life. They needed to know, they needed to have hope because Jesus was leaving and they didn't know what to do. And so Jesus gives them hope in two ways. One, he says that my father has, has a house. Has, the, the Greek word is, is a mansion. That there's this huge house up there. Now I've heard different sermons that, that like Jesus, is, Jesus was a carpenter, right? So, so Jesus is up there building the house. That's not how Je- Jesus is not up there building the house, like, so waiting for, for the second coming because he still has more rooms to finish. Like, like, God, no, don't send me back yet. I still have to finish the trim. The house isn't done yet. That's not how things work. Jesus speaks, and it happens. He speaks life. And by the way, you speak life, and it happens too. You can speak what happens by the words that you speak. You can keep speaking into your mind, I'm not good enough, it's never going to happen, I can't do it, and that's ultimately what will happen, and you'll ride life on a self, self-fulfilling prophecy of doubt and negativity. Or you can begin to speak life. Jesus, your power is sufficient. God, I am enough because you are enough. God, I am enough because you have called me. And that's what, what Jesus was trying to lead the disciples into, that, that he, they can be enough not because they are sufficient in and of themselves, but because Jesus would send his Holy Spirit on them so that they would be able to continue the work, continue the mission that Jesus has called them to. And they didn't know about the Holy Spirit yet, but Jesus said to them, it is far better that I leave so that you 
will have the Holy Spirit upon you. You'll have the advocate, one who will continue to direct your life. And God wants to direct your life. And he will do that by having the Spirit in you. you. We need to long for the Spirit and for the Spirit's direction in our life. You see, God will tell you, do this, don't do that. But not because he's trying to take anything away from you. God will direct you because ultimately God has designed you. God will direct you because God has designed you. And he knows what things are, li- are like. He knows what, is, what you are, we're supposed to do. Like we think we're all, we have it all figured out and we've got our science and you know, we, we know, hey, this is how things are supposed to be. But I love it, like, science is just catching up to the Bible a lot of times. Like, there, there was a, a survey that came out that said that, that married people have better sex than single people. And, uh, and, my, and, and, uh, and they're like, you know, so, so, mar- so sex really should be um, saved for, for marriage because then it's, like, much better. That sounds familiar. <laughs> like, like, we already knew that. And, and, and yet we think we have it figured out. But God was the one who designed sex. God was the one who designed money. God was the one who designed all of these different things. And so he knows the way that it's supposed to go. And he wants to lead you into paths of life. That's why Jesus says, I am the life. Because as we continue to follow him, he'll continue to lead us into paths of life by the power of his Holy Spirit. He'll begin to show us who he's called us to be. And, and yet, even, even with that, so we have a hope in this life, but we also have a hope in the next life. He said that there is a mansion. There's, there's a place for us up there. And, and so we know, hey, if you go to a cemetery, there is really no one there. Because who you are is your soul. The Bible says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And so you have a life that goes on after this life. You have a soul that when your body decays and when you physically die, your soul will continue and be with Jesus in heaven. And so there is a greater hope beyond this life, but there still is a hope in this life. God has sent his Holy Spirit. And so while it means one way that, that God has prepared a, I've prepared a place for you, it, well, means one way that we're going to be with Jesus in heaven. It also means that we will be with Jesus right now through the indwelling of his Holy Spirit. That there is an a, 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 a intimate relationship that we can have with God where he will direct us. He will show us the right way. He will show us what to do and lead us into paths of life by the indwelling of the Holy Spirit because we've accepted Jesus. So we should long for the Holy Spirit to be involved in our lives because God is the one that has designed us and knows how to direct us. Now, my last point I want to focus on today is is probably one of the most controversial things. And um, it's Jesus says, no one comes to the Father except through me. And, And there's so many religions that are out there of like, hey, how can you guys say that? How can you say that the only way to God the Father is through Jesus? Like, there's, there's so many other ways, like so many other religions. But, but a lot of times, religion... So, Jesus didn't come to start a religion. He didn't come to start a religion. He didn't come to start Christianity. 
Because what religion does is, what religion says is, you be good enough, and then God will like you. You, you reach up to, to the point, and you reach God's standard, and then you're accepted into heaven. And, and, and so that doesn't work because we keep projecting a false image of ourselves, and it doesn't deal with our sinful nature. It doesn't deal with the fact that we all have sin inside of us, and we all will continue to sin unless we are, our nature is redeemed through the power of Jesus Christ. I found a story um, about the um, radical Islamists, radical Muslims, who flew the planes into the World Trade Center during 9-11. So that's what they did on 9-11. But do you know what they did on 9-10, on September 10th? What they did on September 10th, these people who were so passionate, so zealous for their faith that they would literally give up their lives and fly planes into the World Trade Center. You know what those people did on September 10th? What they did on September 10th was they, they stayed at a seedy hotel, they ate expensive meals, and they constantly rented pornography. These people that were so zealous about their faith had this duplicitous life where they were on one side saying, you know, we need to live for, for Allah, but on the other side, they were watching pornography and they were totally in sin. The, the Navy SEALs who, who broke into Osama bin Laden's um, compound and, and killed Osama bin Laden, they, they, they searched their computers and you know what they found on their computers? More disgusting pornography. So here it is, there's this religion that where, where we want to be good enough and we want to strive to try to reach God's standard, but there's this sinful nature that constantly keeps bringing us back to what, what, what we don't want to do. And, and Paul has, has in what he calls the, the do-do verse, I, I don't do what I want to, what I, what I want to do, but I, I do what I don't want to do. And, and, um, and who can save me? Who will save this wretched man? Thanks be to God for the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's what we can say. See, Jesus didn't come to start a religion. He didn't come to, to tell us, hey, you need to measure up and here, follow all these man-made rules and, and then, then you'll be good enough for God to accept you. See, that's the antithesis. That's the opposite of what the gospel is. The gospel says you couldn't be good enough. Nothing in your life you could you do to be, to be good enough, but yet I will die and I will redeem you so that God will see my, my righteousness, not yours, and he'll accept you and it's in accepting you and loving you that he will change you so you don't have to walk to my standard, but you can walk from my love. And as you begin to walk from my love, you will live a life that is redeemed and that will transform your heart which will give you a greater hope, which will change your decisions, which will constantly transform you and, and conform you into my likeness. That's what God wants to do in our lives. See, so Jesus didn't come to start a religion. He showed us how to be human. He showed us how to image God. You see, because Jesus, what it, like, just like I've talked about in my series, Jesus is the image of the invisible God. And so God needed to come down and show us what he was like and show us his love and show us that he wanted to reach us. He came down on a rescue mission for a world that was lost. And, and, and if we kind of think about this, take this metaphor. 
If there was a, rest, if there was a flood, you know, because we could easily imagine that given the last week, um, that if there was a flood and we were all kind of drowning and needed rescue, and there was one rescue helicopter that came in and, and one guy like dived down and, and swooped in and caught us up and put us in that um, bed that they connected to the rescue helicopter and, and pulled us up. And then we got in the rescue helicopter and be like, well, you know what? This rescue helicopter is really not for me. Like, it's not my style. I like a pink helicopter and I like... A person like I like a different looking type of, of person in the helicopter, and and they're like, okay, just throw them back out into the water. <laughs> you figure it out yourself. Um, but that, but God sent a rescue mission down. He sent Jesus down to show us the new way to be human. Really, the only way to be human to show us how He created us to be. And so the only way that we see God, it's not about about the path. It's more about the person. Jesus came down to show us what it's like to see God. And because we can see God in the person of Jesus Christ. We can see, and in that, we see who we were meant to be because of that. That's what he came to show us. That's what he, he came down to be, become the person of Jesus Christ, to take on flesh, to, to rescue us from this constant striving of thinking we have to be good enough when we could never measure up. God came in this person of Jesus Christ as the way, the truth, and the life. And when you're going through trouble in your life, just remember, Jesus is the way. Jesus is the truth, the foundational truth to rest on. He is the life to follow. And there really is nothing else that will lead us to true life than, than, by, than by believing and following in Jesus. Will you pray with me? God, thank you for this message. Thank you that when we go through times of trouble, you have not let, left us nor forsaken us. God, help us to know that even when we don't know how things are going to turn out, even when the path is not clear, we can always know the way. And we can continue to walk on your power and walk and rest on your truths, knowing that they will direct us into the life that you have, have meant for us. Thank you, God, for your son, Jesus. Thank you for your Holy Spirit that we can continue to have access to you through, Lord. Help us to, to partake of that. Help us to receive that and help us to follow that. In your precious name we pray, amen.